You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm pretty sure. My name is Dan Rubin. This is the Bucknuts Morning Five and Change. You can see we are, the band is back together. <laughs> Mark Porter was out in Las Vegas doing God knows what with Robert Griffin III. As he knows, we both chuckle. Uh, but we're back together. Mark's here. Bill's here. It's not freezing cold outside in Ohio. It's going to be gray. My phone is ringing. My dog is off the leash. This is going to be a fun show, people. This is what happens when you broadcast from home and nobody's here to help you. Um, I've become a dependent soul. But we're going to talk football here. Gentlemen, today's theme to start off, offensive lineman from Ohio. Mark just did his breakdown of the first of the Armstrong brothers. I got to check this every time we do it. Deontay. We did Deontay, we did Deontay first. Yeah. Potato, potato. You're not, you're not, Deontay you're not the Armstrong. only one. Yeah, you're not the only one struggling with that. I mean, following these guys for a couple of years, I don't think I could tell them apart when I met them. And I don't think I would say their names when I met them at the Under Armour camp. It was just like, you know, uh, trying, to de- trying to decipher which one is genetically different than the other. And I thought I had a beat on it last year. I thought the separation between them was a little bigger than it is right now. I thought Deontay had a little lead. And I thought the tip-off may have been that they put Deontay at tackle and Devontae at guard. You know, Ben Robach's the other tackle, but you think the two lighter guys on their feet would be tackles. I'm not sure why St. Ed's did that. And I thought it was, oh, maybe one guy's a little more ahead in pass blocking. That's why he's on the edge. Uh, as we watch the films, uh, the genetics have pulled closer. And it's really funny to evaluate uh, two identical twins that are such freaks and trying to look for these differences. When I'm doing my write-up on the second one, I'm really trying not to say the exact same things I said about the other brother. And it's hard to discern where the slight differences are in power or footwork or arm length or Anything. They really do look like identical twins as they're playing the game. Uh, And I think 
at the end of the day, as they're both fully developed or reach their maximum potential, you do see two players that are very similar, that they may be both first-rounders, they may be both second-rounders, but they're going to end up in the same ballpark when they're done developing. Uh, my comparison was uh, Taylor Decker, uh, the, the first offer that I think Urban Meyer made when he got here, maybe after the quarterback from uh, Menor. But, yeah, uh, the, the prior staff had not offered Taylor Decker. As soon as they got on campus, they took him. And the, the narrative with him was he was a little bit skinny up top. You know, he was only 240 pounds as a sophomore. Uh, now the guy's 300 pounds, and it sounds just like the Armstrong twins all over again. First of all, let's digress for a minute here. How in the name of all things big and small did Taylor Decker not have an offer from Ohio State? He was actually committed to Notre Dame and didn't have an offer from Ohio State. It wasn't like he chose Notre Dame. He hadn't been offered until the new staff came in. I imagine, like you said, Urban Meyer saw that. <laughs> and did one of those like, it was like, come on. That was the, who's the... Uh, those were the, the days of. Uh, got cranky with us, Bill. Who was that? His son played at Michigan State. Oh, uh, uh, those were the days of Tommy Brown and Chris Carter offered oh, yeah. the big, thick offensive lineman with big butts and big thighs. And uh, Taylor Decker was honestly the opposite of that. He was a tall, long, lanky kid with you know I don't want to say Christmas tree shoulders, you know where he was narrow up top. But when he was younger. Uh, he wasn't that impressive to look at physically. And it didn't take Urban long to correct that mistake, by the way. I, I think Taylor Decker had 100 pancakes in a row on his highlight film because I remember making it. But it was some absurd number like that where it was all pancakes. Like, he literally dominated everything in sight, uh, largely due to his speed. And I think Ed Werner was the maybe the coach who went up to uh, Michigan State. Or do we go back as far as Coach Bullman? But I remember there was a, a thick ankles theory and a big thighs and big butt theory going on for a while. But that was the days of the, the power O offense and the fullback and running downhill. And you needed human road graders. Uh, and, and Urban Meyer went from probably a pass protector to protect the left edge. Yeah, Urban just really, as we digress, he just expanded the field of, of uh, possible candidates. And there were better road graders and tackles outside the state at that time, and they went and got them. Although, and, as we... and by the way, that you know that goes back to uh, when Urban first got the job. You know, he he got the job late. Yeah, and he was obviously smart enough to realize getting the job that late. I'm not gonna land a whole lot of great out of state players that have already committed somewhere. It's too late. So that first class, he really emphasized Ohio guys and uh, did a great job of, of getting pretty much, you know, the, the, the really the top guys he wanted in Ohio, even though he got a late start, he salvaged that class and uh, did it the smart way with guys that he knew he had a legitimate chance to get, getting Ohio guys and creating the backbone of the class, which turned out to be a good class. Mitch no, Trubisky also, was another another offer as we well, digress. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. and then from, that went sideways. Yeah, you said the guy from Mena. They had a receiver there too that Ohio State offered that he eventually went to Alabama and didn't do much. Um, we're digressing, and I'm not pulling enough names out, so I apologize on that one. But um, 
a little bit more on the Armstrongs, Mark. These guys were not like huge guys on the radar nationally. They were JV players. Now, part of that is because they come from a program where the depth of talent is probably more than your average private, uh, average public or private school for that matter. And you can keep guys of that ilk on JV as a sophomore, um, but they have emerged and grown. You feel like they're nationally good players. This is not just things for guys for Ohio. Yeah, not to call anyone out, Alan True and Steve Wolfong, but when we were at the Under Armour camp last year, like in, uh, what is it, March or April, that happens, uh, the Armstrong trims were an afterthought to the national guys. I can remember pointing them out and almost feeling a little bit silly pointing them out because they were 250, 260 pounds, and there were so many other national studs there that were a year older, of course, and there was. It's almost laughable now that, yeah, we didn't really care about the Armstrong Twins at the Under Armour camp last year. And that was one year ago. And it's amazing how this process works. And these two are simply, uh, you know, proof of that, that you don't know all the time. And people criticize Ohio State or other schools for not offering kids at certain points in time. There was nobody last year at this time saying these were Ohio State kids. Okay. Yeah. And it's a – yeah, Go ahead, Bill. To, to piggyback on that, I remember everybody was um, uh, making sure they got an interview with Ben Roebuck that day, and uh, uh, us included. You know, the, uh, in, in fact, I, I, I might have been the only one talking to the Armstrongs after because I casually ran into them, and there wasn't a posse around them interviewing them. I remember thinking, yeah. "Oh, these poor kids came down here, and you know, they're great-looking kids and they're scholarship kids, but." They're just not what the national press is biting their teeth into today. Yeah, and I, I remember doing an interview with uh, with them after that, and it wasn't one of it wasn't the first interview I put on our site uh, that after that. But and getting back real quick to Ben Roebuck, by the way, um, he is not off of the uh, radar screen, so to speak. I've heard some people talking about uh, well because the Armstrong twins got offered by Ohio State. They're no longer looking at all Ben Roebuck. That's not the case. And I know, Mark, you've continued to talk about Ben Roebuck here on the show. Um, ben Roebuck and Ohio State still have a mutual interest. Uh, I talked to Ben just the other day, not uh, I guess it was last week, actually. And uh, he's still definitely interested in Ohio State. Uh, he still has contact with Ohio State. So, you know, don't cross Ben Roebuck off the list. Uh, the mutual interest is still there. To put this to bed on St. Ed's here, you know, I often talk about the myths associated with recruiting and one of them. And we haven't heard this as much recently, but when the kids all started going to camps together, let's say, what, 10 years ago, every time you talk to a big time guy, he was part of a package deal with a guy from four states over and, and those package deals never materialized. When you're twin brothers, that's a package deal, and that is a little hidden, you know, possible boon to the recruiting class. That's just pure luck. Um, when you look back at things that went your way, woof, it's nice to have two for one at one of the hardest positions to, uh, to find. And I will say this, having covered the NFL, those guys looked the part to me. Um, just not – they look like athletes. My favorite lineman that I've been able to follow the last X number of years, I'm a Cowboys fan, obviously Zach Martin, but Tyron Smith, you see Tyron Smith in person, you wouldn't think he was a lineman. 
you would think he was maybe like an outside linebacker or a defensive end or like an inline tight end. He, he has like a V. So it's possible to look like that. And you don't get any bad weight early. And I'm going to talk about the weight it puts on your knees and all that crap. But very positive, And it's part of a very good offensive line class in the state of Ohio. They're going to be able to, to build a national caliber offensive line out of the guys from the state of Ohio in this class. And then we'll see if they add in some other national types. You hear a lot about Jordan Seaton out of St. John's in DC, but this is one of those classes and Marcus and Bill have told you about it, that they're going to have plenty of offensive linemen to choose from in this state. All right, let's hit some questions here. I got one just up here from Sue. Bill, we are going to talk a little bit now about guys that we think will be in the mix for Ohio State out of state during the whole 2024 recruiting cycle and names we should focus on. Sue Zabo, Dr. Zabo. Give me some 24 QBs. Bill, obviously, Dylan Riola was committed for X number of months. He backed out. They have a couple offers going out, but I don't get the sense that there's anyone in pole position right now. Well, you know, they obviously like uh, Julian saying the quarterback commitment to Alabama. They offered him a scholarship in January. Corey Dennis uh, was out there, saw him. Um, Jaden Davis, they would love to have, certainly. Um, But when you look at those two guys, (laughs) flipping an Alabama quarterback commitment is not going to be easy. Uh, Jaden Davis, um, getting him is not going to be easy. So they're realistically, those two guys are going to be tough for Ohio State to get. Not impossible necessarily. You know, I'd, when it comes to quarterback recruiting in Ohio State, I would never say impossible. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've, they're flipping guys late uh, and everything else. So, you know, I won't count them out, but I won't count on them either. Uh, so at this point, I think you could just kind of say they're resetting the board. They don't like to offer quarterbacks unless they see them throw in person. Um, they haven't seen necessarily everyone throw in person. There's going to be another period come, uh, the spring where they can go see these guys. So they're not in any rush. They know they can get a a good quarterback. Um, Lincoln Kineholtz, nobody was talking about him at this point in Ohio state a year ago. Before that, Devin Brown, same thing. Before that, C.J. Stroud. They didn't even get on in on C.J. Stroud until um, mid to late December before uh, his you know, senior graduation. So they're resetting the board. Uh, they went and saw Aaron Nolan throw, for instance, and, and they're going to see other guys throw, and then they'll decide which one, two, three – are the ones that they want to go after. But that may not come um, until this spring. We'll have to wait and see. It definitely helps in recruiting if you can tell the quarterback that the last three quarterbacks Ohio State has put under center have gone to the Heisman Trophy ceremony. Now, if they pull that off this year, that will be an achievement of epic proportions. I would not put it past them. But uh, speaking, well, you know, we'll do that one later. Um, Bill, there's a one I wanted to ask about here because I developed a crush on someone in this class. He's got great hair and he can really run and he's a great linebacker. Sammy Brown out of Georgia. He won the state 400 and he's a middle linebacker. 
That is my, I told you, if I was running the Navy SEALs, I would put all my recruiters at the end of the 400 and uh, check your GPA and your toughness. And that's my guys. The 400 is death. It's the most painful thing to train for. And it's the hardest thing to run because there are certain dudes on this earth that can sprint the 400. If Sammy Brown is playing middle linebacker and wins the 400, and I think he might, I don't want to say he might also be a wrestler because if that happens, I'm going to have to move to his hometown. But uh, Bill, bring us up to speed. And like there's some chatter on here. The doctor checks back in. Georgia Clemson lean. Where are we at? Um, in the ballpark, in the running. Um, I think I saw in the question it mentioned uh, Little Animal. I'm sure they're referring to James Laurinaitis, who he's going to be a, a great asset coaching and recruiting for the Buckeyes. And, you know, he's reaching out um, and in contact with the top linebackers in the country um, uh, that Ohio State is interested in. Uh, you know, the, with with Sammy Brown, I think it is going to be a little bit hard to get him away from, say, Georgia, maybe Clemson, but they're not going to back off. They're working on him. And his family, his mom and dad, like Ohio State a lot, they're going to get back here. I fully expect one of Sammy Brown's official visits to be to Ohio State. So, you, you know, you just got to somehow try to uh, – close on that deal and, and, and get Sammy Brown. You know, there are four linebackers right now that I, that a uh, high state is, I think going to be in it. Um, you mentioned looking at the guys, Dan, that a high state from out of state is going to be in it um, for a while, or maybe for the entire hall. And I think there's four linebackers that you can put in that group. Sammy Brown is one of them. Uh, Edwin Spielman from Tennessee Certainly, he's another one, and James Laurinaitis, and he have had contact. Peyton Pierce from Texas uh, is another one. I think the Buckeyes are going to be in it for a, for a while, if not all the way for. And, again, Laurinaitis has been in contact. And then the other one is uh, uh, Booker Pickett Jr. Uh, from uh, from Florida. You know, the, those four linebackers, I think, are guys that, uh, that Ohio State is going to be in it, you know, uh, for for a long time, if not all the way, and maybe have a chance to get perhaps one and maybe maybe uh, optimistically two of those four. And Booker is Ryan's nephew? Correct. Right on. That, that can never hurt. One guy, if we've done a poor job, and I mean me, not you guys, of getting across to people how good someone is, it's this dude, and that is Elias Rudolph. Possibly because he's in-state, and I don't know. Some guys, when they're offered in-state, and I think everyone thinks we're going to get them, they almost fade off the radar. It's not as sexy as possible, but when you talk about, you know, what wins football games, Mr. Nick Bosa is going to be defensive MVP for his ability to get to the quarterback. Elias Rudolph, we had a guy, a scout, tell us, now he's developed into one of the elite, elite defensive end, pass rushers in the country. Mark, you did a top down on this guy. What do you think of Elias Rudolph? Um, I think there's a reason for the lack of early hype is he wasn't as flashy his sophomore year. He was really, I want to say, basketball thin. You know, he had that long look. He had that kind of, you know, body type you're looking for, but there wasn't as much pop in it. There wasn't really strength. And again, just like the Armstrong twins, ditto, 
six months later, eight months later, a weight room cycle later, and they're 30, 40 pounds heavier. Uh, the thing that I liked about Elias is when I went to see him, they had moved him down to nose man. They had other players that could play the edge at Taft, but they didn't have big enough dudes to go inside. And the way he's built now, 240 pounds, he learned to go in there and play with his hands, take on double teams, spin out of things, uh, split through defenders. I mean, you got to work your butt off inside there as a long, skinny guy, and you got to keep your pad level low. So I think combination of two things. He had the twitch and the speed off the edge. He just added the power and the football player ability of learning that jungle in there. Now you put him on the edge and only give him one guy to go against instead of double team by centers and guards. He's going to be an explosive edge rusher. He looks more the part. And now you can start saying, yeah, maybe uh, it's hard to put kids in these boats to chase young things. And, you know, I know the, the I've been reading the boards and I know they were waiting for Sonny Styles and CJ Hicks and all these guys to come in and start as freshmen. And I don't want to put that pressure on every kid we talked about in podcasts, but yeah, Elias, when he gets in the weight room at Ohio State, even if it takes him another redshirt year, he's going to come out looking like a dude, you know, like not what he looked like. In fact, if we go back and look at pictures of him young on and what he looks like in Ohio State, they won't even be the same human being. I think from a health perspective, and this is just my cursory opinion, no one get upset. I'd rather have guys who kind of add that weight as they go. Um, like I said, that being a heavy dude and carrying that weight around is hard on your body. So your knees and your and a natural growth, you know what I'm saying? The guys who can do it that way, look, I some of us would have had to work overtime just to catch their breath. But those guys who are naturals that can just fill out nat like the Armstrong brothers, you can't you can't uh, I, I've had numerous co- coaches tell me, when do we give this kid five or six thousand good calories a day? Right. Where there's a lot of kids that yeah, they may be getting their three meals a day, but they're not sitting there pounding the protein bars, and the protein shakes. That stuff's expensive, and it adds up three, four times a day. And there's a reason why every weight room in the country, when you walk out of it, there's a protein bar and a protein refrigerator where you got to grab your drink before you leave there. That's how important that is to muscle development and adding weight. And a lot of these kids aren't hip to that or don't have the resources for that that early in their careers. And, yeah, you see guys like, the guys we're talking about today are prime examples of 30, 40 pounds, 50 pounds in a year, Bill, you know, and it's done the right way. Yep. Plus not all these kids come from the best financial situation and aren't getting three great squares a day. And once you come in and and get on a purely nutrition based and physically based you know, set up. They're already some of the best athletes walking planet Earth. Fact. Uh, I've been able to eat at a couple of the training tables, and there's a dietary nutritionist sitting at the front of the cafeteria line. That when you come in, it's like, okay, you get two potatoes, you get two pieces of meat. Don't you go near the desserts? You get water to drink, and I mean, they are on these kids like you've never seen. I and the food quality. Uh, I mean, yeah, steak every day uh, of the week. Yeah, if you, if you wanted steak for three meals a day, right. you're getting steak three meals a day and chicken. And, I mean, you're really – you're living like a king because that's what's going to make you look the best. I'm telling you, adjusting to taking care of yourself after being in this situation is hard. It's why uh, – <laughs> I'm serious. These guys are – this is – I really honestly – Ohio State is the elite of the elite of the elite and just preparing you and maxing you out. So 
And speak, speaking of that, I, I had an item about this in my column. Um, when Ohio State had those guys visit uh, on Saturday, January 21st, it was mostly Ohio guys, but uh, Ian Moore uh, was another from out of state, was there that day. But uh, they did a presentation, Mick Marotti did, uh, on the new weight room that's coming at Ohio State and their conditioning and strength program. And one of the things they did was they showed – they recruit some before and after pictures of Ohio State players. You know, uh, they uh, what they look like <clears throat> when they came to Ohio State and what they look like after uh, when they were leaving Ohio State, Mick Marotti's program and all. And a few of the guys that they did show showed the recruits pictures of <clears throat> included Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, Justin. Uh, no, it was, well, they might have, but I don't know that one for sure. Ezekiel Elliott was one of them. Justin Fields was a, was another one uh, that they showed. So you know they they are showing off uh, what their program uh, can do to these guys physically and, and how you're going to look when uh, when you get done at Ohio State. I just remember. I guess that was the first time I ever saw the before and after shots. There was like a fad with those. I don't know if you remember Bill about ten years ago where. You'd see everybody come in with their top off, and then if you and Josh is just the one that I remember. It was like he went from a good-looking high school athlete to like uh, the Terminator. You know, <laughs> it was incredible to watch. Um, I, shocker! They show uh, Fields and Zeke. They they're smart to show the guys with the highest jersey sales. I much. may I may digress with this story, but it just it, talking about the Gatorade bar and the protein bar. There's a recruiting story, and it was from another Big Ten school where a mom was there, and she filled her purse up with all of the, the bars, the protein bars, protein shakes, because she knew how expensive they were. They didn't catch her to her third or fourth trip of emptying her bag in the car. <laughs> they liked the recruit so much, they let her keep all of it. <laughs> we were. But that's, that's how valuable that stuff is oh, yeah. and how expensive it is to oh, keep no. your – kid in tune and i mean and if you're competing in high school and you don't have the resources for that stuff are you really competing on a you know fair level i mean it, it's a different day and age right now in training and nutrition no doubt sam no sam doubt. hubbard by the way was another one that they showed before you know he gets to ohio state at six foot five and about 210 pounds that isn't what he left ohio state as so they they used him as another example by the way I remember Sam Hubbard looked at me funny when I said he might not be a safety for very long. Yeah. As he's yeah. returning that fumble recovery for a touchdown, I'm like, you better use that safety speed, buddy. He said, I'm a midi. He said, I'm a midi. I'm going to Notre Dame to play lacrosse. What are you even talking about? Yeah. I mean, I and again, that. I mean, we're, we're talking about a lot of kids today that transformational. I mean, yeah. from even when they got on campus, and we're talking about them as sophomores in high school, like they're finished products. They're not finished products when they get on campus. Right. Going down, I watched uh, his senior year, Sam, play. It was fairly late in the season, and uh, he, he was playing safety. And, uh, you know, he was – I don't – I'm not going to say rail thin, but he was uh, he was long and thin. And look at him now. He, he's a far cry from that. You think Sam Hubbard struggles to get dates? <laughs> he looks like a male model. He's living in his hometown. Seriously, someone's got a wishbone. Someone won the wishbone in that family. You know what I mean? You know, 
And I and I thought I digressed today. Jeez. Huh. I'm saying some guys you just gotta give it to them and be like, I I have a female. I would like I to be a... Sam Humbert's wingman about 20 years ago and just kind of like fly behind him. <laughs> well, I have a female dentist who uh, happens to be from uh, that Cincinnati area. Every time I go to the dentist, she talks about Sam Hubbard. I don't. <laughs> I think there are many female dentists talking about Sam Hubbard. Now, that's a sentence I never thought I'd ever say out loud, but we have digressed. Um, that's actually pretty funny. Okay, let's finish with one guy here that we have not gotten into that I wanted to talk about in state, and that is I gotta find the question. I'll find it, but I'll ask it. Mark Nave. Um, not one of the names we talked about as much early, um, but a big, strong, feisty dude, man. You want to talk about a guy who looks like he could be lining up uh, inside for the Crimson Tide or Georgia. This is that dude, Mark. What do you think of him? Were you surprised by the offer? No, and, and I think we've been talking about him since at least November. I know we that's when I saw him and put him in the breakdown, and he went right to the front of my list when I saw him. And he's, a, like I said in my post the other day, he's kind of a flat-bellied guy for 300 pounds. He doesn't, you know, have a lot of that extra weight. He holds it really well in his legs and his butt. Uh, and I've seen pictures of him in the weight room. It looks like he can add a lot of weight through his shoulder still. So, again, you're buying this big body. He may be a tackle. Uh, but he plays guard because the tackle next to him, Tyrell Green, might be the biggest offensive lineman in Ohio next to Ben Roebuck. He might be bigger than Ben Roebuck. Uh, he doesn't move that well. That's why we haven't really talked about him as much. So the tackle next to him makes Mark Nave look small, and Mark Nave's a, a monster. Uh, but that's probably why he's playing guard. I like the way Toledo Central Catholic uses him. They pull him all over the place, uh, and you can see his power and the way he – blows people off the ball by the way he strikes them, the kind of pop he has, uh, the way he gets up to the next level. Uh, he's very athletic. There's an athletic body underneath mm -hmm. that guy. But if he played guard in college, it wouldn't surprise me. And it's because the Armstrong twins are so explosive, it makes a guy like Mark Nave look kind of like a guard. But he's normally a tackle-type body and tackle-type feet, but you really have some elite tackles. And by the way, if you um... – uh, want to see kind of, uh, I, I don't know if I'd say before and after pictures, but go to Mark Nace Twitter and uh, he posted this week uh, what he's already doing to his body, uh, how he looked, I think a year ago or whatever, and how he looks now. And just wait till, uh, if he ends up at Ohio State, uh, wait till, you know, you see him then. Um, and by the way, they are recruiting him. They offered him as an interior offensive lineman. Ohio State did. So, you know, this kid, this guy could be the prototype uh, guard for the Buckeyes if he chooses Ohio State. And and I have, by the way, uh, crystal ball into Ohio State. So, obviously, I, I feel like he's probably going to be a Buckeye. Very impressive, man. We are lucky. Like I said, uh, I don't know if I said this before the show or on the show, like you, when you have the number one pick in the draft in the NBA, you don't have any control or it's Kwame Brown or LeBron James, and just like every year in recruiting. I mean, the real reason Ohio is uh, – the real reason Ohio State is what they are in the Big Ten is because their base of recruiting in Ohio is so much better than the rest of the Big Ten schools. Yes, they've gone out and done a great job nationally, but protecting those borders is what it's all about, and uh, these two guys know that and are the best at it. 
We will be back next week with more tomfoolery and hijinks and uh, discussions of other guys who are good at getting dates. Peace out. Thank you.